Hey everyone, welcome back to the Seek First podcast. It's so good to be with you again this week. Hey everybody, uh, glad to be back with you finally. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that uh, we didn't intend to miss last week, but we're still acclimating and adjusting to new life and new scheduling and ironing out all the details of that. So how long are we going to use that excuse? I- I don't know. If anyone uh, has input of how long that's acceptable, maybe shoot us a message and say, yeah, you should probably stop or no, write it out for this long. Let us know. I will say also, in in addition to that, we did have a few tech issues um, that have kind of kind of put a damper on our, you know, hit the brakes on us trying to record there for uh, just momentarily. But we've got those squared away and got those worked out as well. So hopefully, hopefully stay on a good schedule for you guys. But uh, whoever missed, just don't worry, we're coming back. That being said, it's kind of interesting. I didn't think about this until just now as we were speaking about it, but um, interesting that we kind of left you hanging there with a week of silence because we are talking today a little bit on that topic. Um, we just have a couple thoughts. We're going to see if they roll together. If not, just some things that are on our heart. But um, a lot of times we feel that way in our walk with God. A lot of times we feel like we pray prayers. We um, feel like we are in moments of silence and we hear nothing or we see no Um, evidence from God that he's hearing our prayers and this can be some pretty discouraging moments yeah absolutely and I think this uh, to some degree I mean as many many of our episodes do you know they can kind of parallel they can kind of kind of tie together as one long timeline there but yeah I think they're we've kind of touched on this before but I think this is the first one really you know digging into yeah there's those moments and those times of you know you feel like you you're giving everything you're doing everything maybe you know to do and that everyone around you knows to do but there's still just yeah there seems to be that silence there seems to be mm-hmm. that quiet time and we all we always want to be real with you guys and honest and yes we provide you with scripture and we provide you we want to provide you with encouragement but we also want to be real and and provide um just that side that, you know, there are going to be those times where it is quiet, it is silent, and you aren't sure where to go or what to do, or if, is it all in your head? Is it really quiet? You know, we we question and we wonder a lot of things. And so um, I'm just going to start today by sharing um, a familiar uh, passage of scripture. And this is really where it all stemmed from for me, because I read this passage a little bit differently and, or I interpreted it a little differently. Um, in Matthew chapter 14 or chapter 15, um, it starts at verse 21 and I'm just going to go ahead and read this. Um, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him, urging him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, crying out, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. 
Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. I hope you were able to stick with me there. I'm not the greatest narrator, but I felt like it was really important for me to just go ahead and, and read that passage and read that story um, there in Matthew. And the reason being, this story is a familiar one. It's one that most Christians hear growing up, you know, in Sunday school or you hear it in preaching and teaching. Um, and you hear about this woman's great faith and you hear about how she was an outcast and she was a woman and she was a Canaanite um, going against cultural norms. So her approaching Jesus, there are really like three big strikes there. I mean, she was a woman, which wasn't something you did at that time. She was a Canaanite, which that is um, a group of people who were H- uh, Israel's ancient enemies. And she wasn't she was a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. And, um, in this passage, we, we see Jesus saying that, um, you know, he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And so that's pointed out there as well. Um, and so this woman really crosses cultural barriers and boundaries because she is so desperate for her need to be met. Um, and that's where we find, verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. And I'm reading in the NIV, um, or I'm sorry, NCV. And when I read that, you know, there are several times I've read this passage, but this stood out to me a little bit differently this time, because in that moment I thought of the times that we have approached Jesus with a prayer and we don't hear a word. And it's different in communicating with our friends or in communicating with you, Andrew, if I say, um, something really bold or I say, Hey, I need you to make dinner tonight. And I look at your face. I can already kind of interpret and tell what you're going to say next based on those nonverbals, based on your body language, based on your face. But, um, a lot of times in our prayer life, we don't, well, not a lot of times. We don't get those. We don't get those nonverbals. It's just kind of the quiet and the stillness. Um, But in this story, the Canaanite woman was able to receive those. You know, she could look at Jesus and see, you know, maybe by those um, nonverbals, by his facial expression, by his body language, she could kind of tell where this was going to go next. And um, although the the verse says Jesus did not answer a word, it then says that his disciples urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Well, why would they urge him if he didn't appear to be moved by this woman? If yeah. if Jesus didn't, you know, if if she really hadn't, you know, moved him they would be able to tell by his expression, oh, he's not going to stop and give her the time. But no, they had to urge him, send her away. You know, like she's a, basically she's a waste of our time. She's not what you came for, Lord. But I want to encourage you today that if, if you feel like God is silent in your prayer, maybe the silence isn't because he's ignoring you or he doesn't think you're worth it the time or it's maybe it's none of those things but maybe in this story Jesus didn't answer a word maybe he didn't respond verbally in that moment but maybe 
physically, you could have seen that he was moved by compassion. And the reason why I say that is Jesus could very well have been amazed by her faith and just overwhelmed. And maybe he was silent because he was admiring her faith. Because if you look previously in this chapter, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees. And what do we know about the Pharisees? They were hypocrites. Yeah. They, and previously in this chapter, they were so consumed with their traditions. They were so consumed with religion that they didn't operate in the way that Jesus came to operate. Right. And I mean, I don't know about you, but thinking of this passage in this way kind of helps me understand a little bit more when, then when we hear Jesus say, um, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Maybe, maybe it wasn't necessarily that he was dismissing her, but that he was challenging her, that he could see in her she had such great faith, that she had so much potential that if he just pushed her a little bit more, he knew that she, her faith would, conti- would continue to grow. And at the end of the story, we see that her daughter was healed. Right. I think one uh, the, the thing that kind of pops out the most to me about this story and the difference in between those is in her... Uh, reading from the King James Version and her initial kind of contact with Jesus, the Bible says that uh, she cried out unto him, and then he did not answer. He did not speak a word. Yet his response came after just a few verses later. It says that she worshipped him. That's good. And I think that's very powerful to see the difference of, uh, you know, if you're kind of in that, if you're in that silent moment, maybe, if you're in that maybe even feeling like a season of silence is that challenges me to, to change. What am I doing? Change. What is my approach? Because am I just crying out the same prayer, the same begging question, the same, you know, looking for the same answer over and over. Am I seeking the same thing and God is desiring more? Yeah. You know, is he, am I, am I crying out in a way that he says, I understand what you're saying, but but show me that you mean it. Show me that you're willing to to long for it, to sacrifice for it, to suffer for it. Show me your desire. Show me your, you know, that deep energy that you have that you're willing to just say, I'm going to put it all out here for you and take that to the next level and begin to worship. And I think that was what kind of popped out to me at that story is that is that that change, that shift in like, what are you doing that maybe you can say, I've done all I know how to do, but this one thing and I could do this one thing more and see if that does not change your perspective and see if that does not grasp the attention of God. Yeah. And since you brought that up, there's another, uh, thing that stands out to me in the way that she approaches God, Jesus in this moment. And she just, each time out of respect, she calls him Lord, son of David. And then we see again, she calls him Lord. And then again, when she goes to speak, she calls him Lord. She, she approaches him with reverence and with respect. And in doing that, she's humbling herself. And even though she didn't come from a culture that necessarily, um, believed that he was the Messiah, um, she was humbling herself and she was elevating him. And so anytime we humble ourselves and we elevate God, I truly believe that he has no choice, but, you know, to, to meet us in that place because he is a loving God. He's a merciful God and he will not leave you. You know, the scripture says he won't leave or forsake us. And 
we also see that the scripture says that she knelt before him. You were talking about how it says that she worshiped. Yeah. And so I think it's important in those times of silence that we not only show reverence and respect for the holy God that he is, but we also position ourselves. You know, our position is critical. It is so important. So what are you doing? What are you positioning yourself? Uh, Maybe you aren't necessarily putting yourself in a place to where you can hear from God. If you are so distracted by the noise in your life, if you are constantly feeding yourself with media, if you're constantly, um, you know, watching things that aren't um, in alignment with God's word, if you are constantly listening to voices that are tearing you down, that are tearing down the word of God, it's going to be a lot harder to hear. And those that silence could be um, a byproduct of you giving more attention to the things of this world. Yeah, I think absolutely the the uh, positioning of yourself and the, the posture of your heart will change that perspective because it's very possible that maybe God is what feels like silence is God speaking to you, but it's not in the manner that you're looking for. Yeah. It's not the way that you had hoped he would speak to you or the answer that he, you had hoped he would give you. I think a good example of that is in uh, Psalm chapter 22. And it's uh, it starts out at the very beginning of the Psalm, David's writing, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he says, why are you far from me in my time of crying and in my roaring? He says, I cry in the daytime and you do not hear me. And in the nighttime, I am not silent. Mm-hmm. But in chapter 22 and verse 3, I think the most powerful thing is that David is talking about this moment of feeling like God has forsaken him. He's in that silence of, God, why are you not speaking? Why are you not? Why can I not feel your direction? Why can I not feel your presence? Why have you left me alone? But then immediately following in verse 3, he says, but you are holy. Mm-hmm. And I find it so powerful that he shifts his perspective so quickly. He says, but you are holy. And in the very next verse, if you or in the very next chapter, if you go into chapter 23, the first thing that David says is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. From one chapter to the next, he went from saying, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from me? Why don't you hear the words of my cries? to saying, you are my shepherd and I don't want for anything. You lead me, you guide me, you protect me, you give me all that I need, all that I want. What a powerful shift in that. And I believe that that went from David moving from that place of pity to saying, God, no matter if I hear from you or not, you are holy. Whether you give me the answer that I long for, the answer that I look for, or whether I sit in silence for days or weeks or years, you are still the same holy God. You find that understanding that that many times the silence of God is that is that peace of God. But it's finding that within yourself. It's positioning yourself to rest within that. I find it very interesting that one of the most well-known, one of the most, you know, almost anyone, if you, even if you know very little about the Bible, you could, you could probably name this Bible person is Abraham. Everyone knows Abraham, the, the kid's Sunday school song, Father Abraham. And he's said to be the, the father of the nations of the world. And yet, if you study the life of Abraham, he lived 175 years, and God only spoke to him 10 times. And I think sometimes we take so literally and so personally the silence that we sit in. 
the silence that we don't hear the silent or the you know the voice that we don't hear in the silent moments and and longing for God's voice and longing for God's direction and if we go you know maybe a few days or a few weeks and we don't feel that direction our situation doesn't change or we don't find the answer we're looking for or the job situation we're trying to work out does not make sense and the family struggle and the marriage difficulty that you're dealing with and the everything seems to be falling apart and you're saying god where are you in the middle of my silence it's not fair because you speak to everybody else and you give everyone else's direction but if you look at the great man that abraham was that all through the bible that people would pray and say you were the god of jacob you were the god of isaac you were the god of abraham that you were known for that and yet you only spoke to him on average every 17 and a half years it's very humbling to think that god would grace us with his presence and with his mercy that we feel daily weekly monthly that he comes and he gives us that direction he gives us that peace of mind and so find peace in that silence and knowing that whether it's 17 and a half days or 17 and a half years god speaks to you whenever he feels that you are prepared for it when your heart is ready to receive what he has for you whenever your life is in line with what his will and his word is he'll speak that word to you he'll give you that direction of of what you need and i think the other thing that you can you can find in not hearing the voice of god and and being stuck in what feels like that silence is that whenever god's voice does not speak his word does and an example of that is the uh the story of the adulterous woman who came and they sought to stone her and the pharisees brought her before jesus and they said, what would you do with her? And Jesus didn't speak a word, but he knelt down and he began to write. And he wrote in the sands. And the Bible never says what he wrote in the sands, but he wrote before he spoke. Whenever you're in that silent moment of not hearing God's voice, of not feeling God's direction, find his words that he is speaking in the word, in the Bible, in what he is directing you. Find his words in there and I promise you he can speak through that he spoke those words for a reason he impressed those words upon people and he's written those for specific reasons and if you feel that you can't find him through prayer if you feel that you can't find the answer that you're looking for turn to his word and find the comfort find the peace in that that you need what breaks the silence is hearing it's the sense of hearing and if you go to Romans ten seventeen, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And Andrew, you're talking about how when we can't hear his voice, that, you know, he's given us a book, you know, the Bible full of 66 books where we can see his word. And when you can't hear God, hearing him, like he said, like Andrew said, comes from being in the word of God. It is the infallible word of God. It cannot fail. And it's really important to remember that Bible reading and prayer go hand in hand and fasting. Um, you can't fully know God without both of them. You know, if we spent all of our time praying but never reading his word, we wouldn't fully understand prayer or know how to pray or what to pray. And vice versa, if all we did was spend time in his word but we never felt the conviction to pray and to seek him, 
we wouldn't truly know God. We wouldn't truly know our Savior. And so we have to find ourselves in this place where we are we are incorporating both of those, uh, and his word will help you to hear his voice. And so like the scripture says, you know, I'm going to quote it again, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is being perfected in you. And sometimes it requires that silence and that silence is broken by investing that time with him and in his word. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the per- the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's perfecting your faith. He is making you, um, you know, more like him. He's drawing you closer to him. And it goes back to that humbling concept that we've talked about in so many episodes that this all brings us back to that eternal purpose that the prayer that you pray may be something that is carnal and physical and you don't understand because you can't see in the spiritual realm. You can't see the end from the beginning like the Lord can. And and he is looking at you and he is saying, you know what, I love you so much that I'm going to let you be silent for a moment just so that you can draw a little closer to me. Yeah, Like he loves you so much that... He does, he's not going to answer this prayer because maybe in this moment, that's not what's best for you. Yeah. And it's so incredibly difficult, uh, you know, in our flesh to understand that because we think what's best for us is, you know, financial prosperity, um, relationships to be mended right in this moment for the perfect job and the perfect house and the perfect setup. But if everything was perfect, we would never need to lean on him. Right. And, you know, it's that elementary concept that we've talked about so much, but it all goes hand in hand that the more time that you spend with him and in his word and you find that contentment in him, all the other pieces will begin to fall into place. It's that seek first mentality. And God will fulfill his promises even in the moments of silence. If you look at historically the the time span between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, the Old Testament to New Testament transition, there was, you know, what we know historically is the 400 years of silence there. And that was 400 years that the voice of God was not heard by anyone. There were priests and prophets. There was the church that still operated, that still people still sacrificed and still believed. But God never spoke anything new in those 400 years. But what God did do is he fulfilled promise after promise. He fulfilled prophecy after prophecy. And he worked behind the scenes and he prepared a way and he made a plan. See, in the midst of these 400 years is when it was prophesied that the Messiah would come. And that he would be known of all men and that he would reach all nations and that his love and his word would be taught to all people. And historically, between these these two books, between Malachi and Matthew, if you look historically, this is under the rule of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great is the one who, through the Roman Empire, developed roadways, developed systems that allowed transportation to move unbelievable speeds in comparison to what it had in other parts of history. In addition to that, 
the Roman Empire started to rule so many corners of the earth and started to cover so many nations that there was one language and one voice that began to be kind of, uh, you know, relatable and translatable between all nations, no matter what your culture was or how, how your history lined up. Within those 400 years, so much of that shifted that by the time Jesus comes to the earth and the prophecy of the Messiah is fulfilled, is that Jewish people who traditionally spoke Hebrew have had generations and generations that they have adapted, and they are now fluent in Greek as well, which then goes straight to where this Canaanite woman is, that God's love was not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile, not just for the people of Israel, but for the whole world, for you and for me. That all happened within the 400 years, and it's easy to look at that and say, well, God didn't speak to anybody for 400 years. Yeah, you're right, he didn't. But he prepared the way for his word to go forth. He prepared the way for prophecies to be fulfilled and for his love to be known of all men. And it could not have happened without that silence. The silence is what prepares the way. The silence is what works behind the scenes and allows God to make the way for the promises that he has given. Yeah. I. Uh, this topic is a little bit heavy on my heart today. feels a little bit more... Uh, I don't know, just hits close to home for me. Uh, if you're listening and you feel like you're in that place, I, I want to encourage you that sometimes you feel like you're doing all the things that we're talking about, that you're praying, that you're you're reading the Bible, that you're, you're doing the very best that you can and you're continuing to pray those prayers. And I just, I just want to remind you that, you know, there's scripture that, the, the number of hairs on your head are numbered. The very details of your life, God knows and, and he is present with you. And sometimes just be still. Just, just in that moment, in that place, stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to make things right and just spend that time with God. Um, and and he, he will show up. Uh, Andrew, I don't know. Did you have more, anything else you wanted to add in here? I, I had just a couple quick verses that I wanted to share that, um, in Isaiah 55, um, says, is the verse that says, for your thoughts are far above my thoughts and your ways are above my ways. Meaning we don't understand the ways of God. We can't, we can't have the full understanding because it's easy to want to pray and say, God, I just, I need the answer to just this. Just, just give me this. But if we had the understanding of God, we would understand the fullness of his glory. And in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, the Bible teaches us that we are transformed from glory to glory, meaning we're never intended to understand the fullness of his glory, but only piece by piece. So when you feel like you've been stuck in one spot and you're sitting and you're waiting and you're, you don't hear God's voice, you don't feel like your prayers are answered, you don't have that direction, know that that is that transformation from glory to the next step of glory from the piece of understanding you have to the piece of understanding that he is preparing you for god will give you the word that you need and he will break that silence in the due time that he knows that you are prepared for it and that your heart can receive that i want to just wrap up a little bit differently today um i just feel led to to pray with you wherever you are um and just kind of pray a, 
a, a prayer of peace over you. God, I pray that for every person listening today, Lord, wherever you find them, I pray that you would be present with them. God, I pray that even if they can't hear you and even if they can't see you, God, I pray that your presence would be there and that they would feel you. God, I pray that your loving arms would wrap around each and every person. God, that even if they don't have a full understanding, God, that they would begin to have a revelation of who you are, of the truth of your word, God, and the power that you have and and that we have in knowing you. God, I pray a revelation of your truth would be revealed to every person listening, God. and that you would be the peacemaker in their storm, God, and and wherever they find themselves. Lord, I thank you and I, I give you praise because you do all things well. Amen. We speak that prayer in faith and we're believing that God is working with you and that he is for you in every situation, no matter what it is that you're facing. We love you guys and, um, we're here for you. We just want to remind you that our social media platforms are out there uh, for you to reach out to us. If there's any way that we can pray for you, if there's anything that we can do to be there for you, or that's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for joining us again this week.